Now, did you bring your Bible? If you did, raise it up for a moment. I always encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Please turn to John chapter 1 and keep your finger there for a moment. John chapter 1. Thank you. Thank you to all the people that sent me this creative inspiration, by the way. Now, the title of this message is The Incarnation, Appreciating the Wonder of Christ's Birth. The Incarnation, Appreciating the Wonder of Christ's Birth. Holy Spirit, would you please speak through me and use me as your vessel. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now, the most wonderful part of Christmas is actually the Incarnation. The fact that God became flesh in order to save us from our sins. At a time like this, I believe it's important that we look even beyond the baby in the manger and we look at the deeper significance of what was God's plan Why was baby Jesus really there? Now, the definition of incarnation is being embodied in flesh, in human form. Simply put, this means that Jesus did the unthinkable, did the amazing, did the extraordinary, and he actually came and took on a human body. Enough to blow your mind. Now the word incarnation or incarnate doesn't actually appear in the Bible, but it is clearly implied through many verses of Scripture. One of the most clear ones is John 1.14, where it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus, in total beautiful, complete obedience to the Father, freely, by His own choice, said, Father, I will do Your will. And I will come to earth, I will humble myself, take on the form of a bond servant, and come in the likeness of man, because, Father, You've got the most incredible plan. And it would be a privilege for me to be a part of this plan being fulfilled Now let's look at John chapter 1. We're going to read quite a few few verses, verse 1 to 5 and then 9 to 18. Now, as we read these verses of Scripture, I might substitute word for Jesus, because Jesus is the Word of God. Please look in your Bible, read with me. It says, In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Jesus. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jump to verse 9. That light, sorry, that was the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through Jesus, 
and the world did not know Jesus. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, I'm going to refer to the scripture later, take note, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, verse 14 to 18 speaks about the incarnation. It says, And Jesus became flesh. Can you say those words with me? And Jesus became flesh. When did it happen? It happened there in Bethlehem. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And listen to this. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I tell you what, if you and I could have spent just five minutes in the presence of Jesus when he was on earth, we would have been touched by the glory of the Father. Verse 15, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he, Jesus, of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is the bosom in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now Jesus was being revealed. And nobody had seen God before that time. But when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, for the first time, people could see the image of God in a tremendously tangible way with their physical eyes. You know that song which says, Mary, did you know? It's a nice song. But it says, did you know that when you kissed your little baby's face, you kissed the face of God. He was the fullness of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in that little body. He was the fullness of God bodily. The incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh, is central to the gospel. And yet, it's also a mystery. It boggles our minds. We can't wrap our minds around it. The humanists are offended by it. The rationalists stumble over it. We battle to contemplate it or comprehend it. But you know what? Don't put God in a box. He's great and He's awesome. And although it might not be able to fit in your mind how the God of heaven could come and be in the little baby, Jesus... (laughs) It happened, and God's ways are higher than our ways. Now, let's look at three important facts about the incarnation. Number one, the incarnation is a scriptural fact. The incarnation is a scriptural fact. A vast amount of scriptures refer to this, either directly or indirectly. 
There is no confusion about this in the Bible. There is no confusion about, did Jesus actually become flesh, or did all the people see it in a vision and it didn't really happen? No. It's clear. It's a scriptural fact. It is attested to in Scripture. This is what actually happened. The prophets wrote about it. The psalmist sang about it. The apostles built their hopes on it. And the New Testament letters are filled with the story of Jesus becoming flesh and living amongst us. A few scriptures that refer to Jesus' birth, I'll just read them to you. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Bear a son. That's incarnation. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. Galatians 4 verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, when everything was ready, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, the incarnation. Philippians 2 verse 7. But Christ made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. That is the incarnation. Now, think about, let's, let's think about Jesus' earthly life for a moment. Because he lived a physical, earthly life. And history records that for approximately 33 years, he lived on earth. He actually experienced what it is to go to bed at night and sleep and wake up in the morning. And also, because Joseph was a carpenter, it does seem that Joseph died when Jesus was very young, although it's not clear from Scripture or from history, it's not very clear, but if his father was a carpenter, then the chances are he spent time doing woodwork, doing carpentry, doing all sorts of things at the, the, I don't know if they had a vice grip or a bench, and they would do work, and they would use hammers and chisels and put things together and build things. And I can imagine, because of Jesus doing a lot of physical work, because you've got to get the lumber, you've got to get the wood, you've got to bring it in, you've got to build it into different things. I can imagine that Jesus was probably actually well built. He was probably a strong man probably knew how to work with his hands. Maybe sometimes he was working with the hammer and next thing nicked his finger. What do you think he would shout? Oh, Mother Mary. No, wouldn't he? he wouldn't do something like that. What would he shout? Aina. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> no, he hit his finger sometimes. I, I can well imagine. I can imagine that Jesus would sometimes enjoy watching the sunset. Maybe he had to also put on a jersey when his mother got cold. <laughs> Jesus also ate. And I wonder what it was like eating the food in those days. But he lived a normal human existence. He needed to sleep. He needed to wash. He needed to do all these things. And he actually walked on earth. And he experienced life as you and I do. Isn't that amazing? Now, I remember I was talking to a bunch of high schoolers, and I was talking to them about how Jesus' earthly existence was real. Now, bear with me for a moment as I use an example which may be a little 
little scary for some, but I said that Jesus was real and he was down to earth. Also, many people, they have this image of the Catholic crucifix. And I was trying to bring across to these young people that he was a real man. He climbed trees. He did all these kind of things. So I said the following to them. I said, do you think it is possible that when Jesus was growing up as a young boy, that he ever scratched in his nose? I said, do you think it's possible? And I saw some of them, they they couldn't get around this one. And the one guy said, no, probably what he did is he just went like this and it just went away, you know? And I said, no, guys, he was real. He had aches and pains. Maybe he had some, some blisters on his feet. But you know what? The amazing thing is that the God of heaven literally did come and live and dwell among us. Charles Wesley's hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate coming in the flesh. Deity. Wesley must have had some understanding and some appreciation of the incarnation to write words like that. Do you have some understanding of the incarnation? Do you have some appreciation of it? And you know, when Jesus was here on earth, when he interacted with people, it was was as though they found the place that they wanted to be at. I can imagine that for that woman that was caught in adultery and how all the men try to accuse her and throw stones at her, I can imagine how Jesus, when he came onto the scene and he basically scattered the accusers and then He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know what? That lady must have been so drawn to Jesus in such a beautiful way because she was experiencing God. And so when he was here on earth, everybody was drawn to him because he broke the understandings of what God was like. And they saw that Jesus is wonderful that he was moved with compassion so much that he would go and heal people, that he would touch the leper. They saw that Jesus was indeed wonderful. So number one, the incarnation is a scriptural fact. Number two, the incarnation is a historical fact. Every time you write the date, every time you sign a check and you write the date, or your data letter that you write, you are attesting to the fact that at some point in time in human history that Jesus actually was born. And how's this? Our God actually came in such a way that He split history in two. I mean, let's appreciate that for a moment. He came in such a way that He literally, bam, right in the middle of the calendar. And before that it was B.C., before Christ, and then A.D., subsequent to that. I tell you what, it's a historical fact. It's recorded in the books of history. It happened. Everybody knows the timeline. Everybody knows that that is that point in time. Whether they like to admit it or not, this is a historical fact. It happened. It's on on record in human history. 
And actually, it's the most significant event of human history. All the efforts of humankind before that, during that, after that, don't even compare to the magnitude of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was thinking, isn't it amazing that we actually do have this thing called Christmas? Isn't it amazing? And virtually across the whole world, virtually, Christmas is celebrated in some way or another. Now, I know some people have hang-ups about Christmas. And some people say that it has some pagan roots, different things like that. You know what? I say, let's redeem. <laughs> redeem Christmas from any kind of nonsense that it may have been associated with. Let's look at it as Christ Mass, all right? Christ Mass, the name of our Savior, is right in the center of this massive celebration that we have every year. And you don't have to buy presents and exchange presents and decorate your home. You don't have to do that. But as long as you're getting the message, as long as you're receiving the King, let every heart prepare Him room. And so it's wonderful that actually there is this thing called Christmas as a massive event on the world calendar. And we're making sure that we're keeping Christ in Christmas. By the way, when you write your Christmas cards, please don't say Xmas. Write it out, Christmas, okay? God's love is not a vague theory. It is real. It is vibrant. It was physically demonstrated when Jesus came to earth. And the well-known scripture says that God so loved, He so loved that He did something about it, that Jesus actually did come. And He came with a purpose, what was the reason that Jesus became flesh? It's so that he could accomplish the plan of salvation, which is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. I'll just read it. It says, God was in Christ. When Jesus was on earth, God was in him, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the work of reconciliation. And I want to say to you, you and I have been given that ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciling people to relationship with God. We've also been given the ministry of people who already know God, helping them to know Him in a better way. It's all about relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all about growing in your relationship. Even Paul, after he knew so much about the gospel of the kingdom, he still said, that I may know him. And so that's why he has revealed himself to us, so that he can reconcile, so that he can restore relationship, so that he can show that God and man belong together. That's the way God planned it to be. The last point, number three, the incarnation can be an experiential fact. He said, firstly, the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh, is a scriptural fact. Secondly, the incarnation is a historical fact. Thirdly, the incarnation can be an experiential fact. Think about that for a moment. The incarnation can be experienced. Jesus 
can come and live inside of you. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or how bad you might think you are. Jesus come into the world is good news. It's good news that we can open our hearts that as a result of ultimately what He did, our sins can be washed clean and we can know the gift of eternal life. We can know that Jesus will, promise, will fulfill the promise He has made to us. Listen to this. The greatest proof that Jesus once lived is the fact that He lives in people's lives today. How many of you can say, I know that I know that I have the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside of me? Raise a hand if you can say, I know that I know I have the Lord inside of me. This is one of the greatest testimonies to the fact that Jesus is made incarnate in us, so to speak, is that you can see Him in the lives of believers all around about you. Jesus not only lived in the flesh, but He can live in you. I would like to now give an opportunity for you to respond to the good news. There may be many people here, you don't need to respond because already you have responded. But remember I said earlier, there's a scripture that I'm going to refer to later. Here it is. John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received Him. Can you say those two words? Received Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. It's clear. You get the right to become a child of God. That's what the Bible says. If you receive Him. And that's what Jesus is all about. The gift of Christmas, so to speak. Imagine if you took a present that was wrapped and all beautiful, but you just popped it on the shelf. Sometimes people do that with Jesus. But the fact is, you have to take the present. You have to open up the wrapping. You have to receive the gift. And so today, I want to give a clear opportunity for you to receive the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be here today and you've never done that. Perhaps you've come with a friend today, or maybe you've been visiting here for a long time, but you've never actually received the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. I'd like to pray for you. Or maybe there was a time when you were serving God flat out, but you know you're not where you should be. You know that you have backslidden. Or maybe... You're just so unsure of your salvation that every night you're having to pray the sinner's prayer because you're not sure, you're not sure. I want to tell you, you can pray it and be sure and never have to worry about your salvation again. So if you either want to get saved or come back to God or make sure of your salvation, would you please pray this prayer with me now? And would you pray it sentence by sentence after me just in your own heart right now? I'd like to ask the whole church if we can pray this together. Please, let's not have anybody leaving at this point in time. And if we can just close that door into the foyer, please. Pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. 
You are the one and only true living God. I bow my knee before you. Lord, please forgive me for any sin, for anything that I've done wrong. I believe you died on the cross for me and that your blood can wash me clean. Let your blood wash my heart right now. I open the doors of my heart and I say today, come into my life, Lord Jesus Christ. Come into my life today. Thank you that you now give me the right to become a child of God. And I declare in this moment of prayer of faith that I'm born again in Jesus' name. Do me a favor, just keep your eyes closed for a few moments. But those people that specifically prayed that prayer, not just to pray it with everybody, but you specifically prayed that prayer because you needed to, either to get saved or to come back to God or make sure, I want to ask that you would look at me and I'm going to look at just each section of the church and I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand and I'd like to say thank you and acknowledge each hand. In this section on my left hand side, if you prayed that prayer, either to get saved, come back to God or make sure, would you raise a hand nice and high? I'd like to acknowledge each hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it up until you see me acknowledging it. Thank you, 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 thank you. Wonderful. This section in the middle, if you prayed that prayer and you meant business when you did it to get saved or to come back to God or make sure, would you raise your hand nice and high? I'd like to acknowledge each hand. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Wonderful. The section on my right hand side. If you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God when you prayed it, raise your hand right now. I'd like to acknowledge every hand. Raise it nice and high. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. This is really wonderful. This is really wonderful. This is receiving the gift of eternal life. Now I'm going to ask one further thing. In a moment I'm going to ask that those people that prayed that prayer and that raised their hand, that you would come to the front for a moment because we have something to, to give you and we also want to pray a prayer over you. But you might say, well, I'm not too keen to come to the front. Why? You know what? It's about making a stand for Jesus. We won't embarrass you in any way, I promise you. But we want you to come and take a stand for Jesus. So won't you come and stand up here right now? If that's you, push past the people around about you. Well done. If that's you, stand at the front here. 
some of the leaders just to come and help. Well done, well done. Come stand in the middle here. Let's not have anybody leave at this point in time because this is important. Come right across here. Come and stand across the front here. Wonderful. Come and stand here, man. Well done. Well done. Well done. Wonderful. Come stand at the front here. Sure, sure. Wonderful. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. If there's anybody else, come right now. Don't lose this opportunity. People don't mind if you push past them. Actually, they would be very, very glad. And they would be excited for you. Folks, can we give these people a hand that are still coming? Wonderful. Now, we've given you a little book. It's written by my dad. It's called Welcome into the Family of God. We'd like to recommend that you read this book before the end of this weekend, all right? That you read it and that you take note of what it's saying. But I want to say to you today that what has taken place, even although your mind might not fully understand it, this is the work of Jesus Christ in your life. This is salvation. I want to tell you, salvation has come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like you to confess this with me, this following thing. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Can we all say this together? Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Can we say it again with a bit more passion? Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And now let's extend a hand and pray for each one of these people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each person that's standing up front here today. We believe that they mean business with you today. And we pray, God, that you would keep them from evil, that you would cause them to run towards you every day of their lives. I pray that you would begin to put the fire of the Holy Spirit upon them and that they would begin to burn with the passionate fire of the Spirit of God and that people would be amazed at the change in their lives. And so we say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Now stay where you are. Wonderful. Stay where you are. There is a little form in the front. We'd like to ask, maybe you would just fill that out. But I'm going to close in prayer in a moment, just to say that we've got lovely ice creams for everybody, so we hope you're going to enjoy that. But uh, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for His goodness today. Now let's pray and also commit this holiday period to the Lord. Won't you agree with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for a blessed, wonderful time in your presence today. And we declare, Jesus Christ, you are Lord of all. Lord, we want to pray as we have the holiday period ahead. Many people will be on the roads and traveling. I pray that you would give us journeying mercies, that your angels would surround us and protect us, I pray that not one life 
in this congregation would be stolen over this holiday period. But I speak protection, health, and blessing over everybody. And Lord, I pray that this would be a season rich in the joy and the peace of God. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.